Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California from the studios of Sirius XM West boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign this is the Tully show I am your host Mike Tully joining me today the host of Swole Patrol the authoritative podcast on getting yoked and a weekly contributor to the Jason Ellis Show, as heard here on Faction Talk. Hello, and welcome, Michael Catherwood. Hello, hello. Wow, these levels are all over the place. I'll fix it in post. I can back off a little, too. You shouldn't need to do that. Okay. In a perfect world, I should know what I'm doing. Thanks for coming, Mike. It's always my pleasure. In some ways, it is hard for me to believe that it has been a year already since we discussed the most 2017 stories of 2017. And yet, um, when I was looking back at some of the stuff we talked about this time last year, I was surprised that some of it was only a year ago. Yeah. The Harvey Weinstein stuff, for example. I feel like we are now very firmly living in the Me Too era. Yeah. And I'm surprised that that era is... I, I, I was like, that's two years ago. It, or or three, even. I mean, it seems like we've... I think... And I don't want to sound like uh, I'm pandering, but... Most of it, not all of it, but most of it is so bad and so hard to deal with when you really get into the nitty gritty and the details that I think it it makes you seem it, it prolongs how you know how long you feel like you've been dealing with it. You know, something that really something really bad, something really desperate, real desperate situation. It kind of just makes it draw out and it wears on you. Yeah, I think. There are de- so the the conceit for this is everybody's doing year end wrap up shows. I like to try to talk about the things that are, are just um, so of the moment. They're not mm. just noteworthy, but they're things that when we look back, we'll be like, oh yeah, that was totally what was going on back then. Most of it, if I'm using the word ephemeral correctly, I think is ephemeral in the sense that it's a big deal and we all get our panties in a bunch for a week and then we kind of move on. It doesn't have any lasting effects. Like uh, here's some of the uh, greatest hits of 2017. The phrase alternative facts. Yeah. Which in, in many ways we're still living in that in that era. But that's like, a, oh, yeah, I remember when everybody gave a shit about that. It almost just seems like a, a setup for a weekend update punchline um, and not much more. The Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad. Yeah. Means nothing to us now. Thank goodness. Um, Richard Simmons has come out of seclusion. It seems like it. He's alive, and <laughs> he came out and waved to the people <laughs> yeah. like a like a grizzly bear coming out of hibernation. Um, Charlottesville. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, these things have some. Some of these things have some ramifications, but I think, like, I think that at a certain point, it'll be the Me Too era because it's a hashtag and because the phrase is was so you know of the moment. But that's the one that I feel like we're kind of probably not turning back from no no if anything i i do think that when we look back at kind of the trump era and this era of everything becoming super sensitive that's the one thing that's going to have long lasting positive effects i'm sure there'll be some drawbacks but that's the one thing that's going to have long-term actual positive effect yeah i think it's good i mean i mean obviously it's it's good 
it's a shame that everything gets so politicized and some things are divisive, but some things we just get beaten over the head and beat each other over the head with them so much that we get sick of them, even if they're like progress and valuable and yeah. things that everybody broadly can agree on. You know, I, I'm sick of a lot of it. I mean, I, yeah. I, admittedly, there's 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 some of it where I, I I'm. I'm just downright tired of of hearing about how everything a woman does is right and great and beautiful because of the Me Too movement. Now, that's not to say the Me Too movement hasn't been great for making me even – I don't think I was at, at fault of doing anything actionable or even con- considered harassment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I definitely rethink how I treat women and look at women, and that's going to be a good thing. But at the same time – I'm everything that is female now is should be not only is right, but should be applauded and we should worship at the altar. Of, and and I don't you know that that wears thin. Yeah. Believe it or not, there are some women who are actually kind of bossy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't mean that I'm intimidated by their yeah. their boss bitch nature. It just no, there's there's some bitches out yeah, there. Yeah. Would you say the same thing about a man? Well, I'd probably use a different put down for him. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. call him an asshole. Yeah. But believe it or not, there are uh, there believe it or not good good and bad people of both genders. So um, I've made a list of things that I thought were the most 2018 things of 2018. Overall, kind of pleasantly surprised. Seems like a slow news year, which just seems like a crazy thing to say because we live in such a um, hyper energized 24 hour news cycle and there's always i mean just look at a news channel there's breaking news at all times on at least three different channels but when you actually look at the shit it made me relax a little bit because i think last year i felt a little bit more certain that um the guillotine was right around the corner Mm -hmm. and i i guess i feel less that way yeah so much news is made and things people make news out of things that are kind of trivial Mm -hmm. that we assume that there's a lot of things going on but i think you're right looking back on 2018 there wasn't really all that much major thing you know major stuff going on well so i've made a list of stuff and 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 i probably missed some really big things and i probably picked a couple things that don't matter as much uh as some other things i could have mentioned but these again are things that i thought were representative of the year that was emblematic of the times but i thought to make this a little interesting we could play a game you know like on uh peewee's playhouse there used to be the word that you didn't say or else everybody's streamed. Sure. So I just thought we could talk about the year and we could just pick a phrase or maybe a name that we just don't need to touch on at all. And since you're my guest, I'm going to let you pick. I put a whole okay. bunch of different pieces of paper. I put um, a grand total of one. Okay. And uh, you picked that one. Yeah. Donald Trump. Okay. Is that the one you picked? Wow. Okay, great. Yeah. I guess I guess we'll try to do that. Okay. I actually believe it is possible to talk about the year that was without talking about the person who dominates news uh, and 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 our national psyche pretty much for all waking moments and and dominates even social conversation yes so much right know? and I think that we can talk about 2018 and still make this uh, a Donald Trump free zone because he ah! uh, you said it sorry I appreciate that okay. that's good that's a that's and that just like Pee Wee's Playhouse yeah. that's what you do we do it once now everybody knows how this works. <laughs> Um, going back to February 6th of this past year, SpaceX sent, I think, the largest rocket ever into space. And there were those great pictures of um, Elon Musk's car 
floating off into the stratosphere yeah. or beyond the stratosphere. And I think I find that interesting because we have been talking about in somewhat fanciful terms for a long time, space tourism and space becoming less than a thing that a couple of NASA astronauts get to experience. It, it, it does sort of seem like this is the turning point. I think in the year to come, Virgin, for example, is finally going to send space tourists. I'm awfully scared of that. It just seems so scary. Well, like for the people, for sure, they're all going to die. Yeah. I mean, just even going to space seems so crazy to me. And I, But I'm awfully content with Earth. I've made a decent life for myself here. Yeah, I think it's really nice. And from what I see of, uh, you know, the footage I see of Mars and the moon and stuff, we really got a lot better here. It's very inhospitable. It doesn't look great. I don't know why everyone's so pumped on the idea. I think it's um, right. Every age sort of has its its magic or whatever that it wants to believe in. And I think it has almost a magic hold on us is that it just reflects our pessimism about our, our collective ability to fix the problems that yeah. we have on planet Earth. Like, by all accounts, it would be quite a bit easier to fix the planet we have than to really effectively colonize yeah. Mars and, and and make no mistake, that would still be a brutal existence. You know, like the first pilgrims would be tourists compared to what people would be looking at living on Mars. Yeah. So I think that's where the excitement comes from is because people are just so fearful that we will have to vacate this planet. Yeah. I, then instead of, like you said, instead of everyone getting so excited about colonizing a new one, why don't we just really buckle down and try to treat earth a little better no fun yeah to a no great excitement e- you're right to a great extent i think that you can make a case and and, and and it may not really hold that much water for why we went to the moon in the first place because it is sort of human beings have to kind of push further and 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 but practically speaking we should be working on like fixing bridges and highways and and cleaning up the ocean Right. That's that would be that would be way cooler, but it's not, you know. Like it's a shame that zero homelessness is not the same doesn't have the same capture on us that Elon Musk fucking dying on Mars does. Well also I think Do you think he'll be broadcasting live as he dies? I imagine he will. Like will we watch Elon Musk die on Mars? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. There there totally is gonna and there'll be a kick ass funeral Uh with a bunch of weirdos. Um (laughs) But I also think that um the idea of traveling and, and colonizing new planets, it seems – and guys like Elon Musk and Richard Branson have made it seem realistic, whereas the idea of – even for the most optimistic person, the idea of solving homelessness doesn't seem realistic. You know, you seem like – it seems like insurmountable, you know, cleaning up the entire ocean – getting rid of homelessness, creating world peace. These are things that almost you just write off because it just doesn't seem attainable. But you you see rockets flying in the air. and What can't we do? Yeah. Um, I mean, the oceans would be tough and world peace is obviously never going to happen. I think the world has shown us again that anybody who thought that we were just on a smooth trajectory towards, you know, a global village that we're, we're at the very least hitting a pretty big speed bump in yeah. that pursuit, if not running full on into a wall. I mean, the homeless thing, and I'm not just, that's just one big problem I'm kind of picking out of a hat, but isn't it like what we spend in a war in Afghanistan in a year, we could probably build 
housing and provide free mental health for life to everybody who's on the streets of America? Like, yeah. can we easily cure hunger in America? I mean, not easily, but relative to the other things that we spend money on. I, I, I think hunger in America, yeah, is mm-hmm. definitely something we could nip in the bud, considering how wealthy we are. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to sound denigrating to people who may be struggling, but in reality, if you compare the poorest American to the rest of the world, we're doing okay. Yeah. Um. I, I Yeah, I mean, I think that it's one of those things that it could be done, but I think I'm just speculating that in the minds of many people, those problems, they don't seem as realistic as you can visually see that rocket going and you're like, hey, why not? Yeah, maybe. I'm told you can. I've been outside with my son twice in this past week and a half to watch rocket launches that haven't happened. Yeah. So... On uh, March 19th of this past year, the last male northern white rhino died. And I don't know that that necessarily signals the exact end of the species because I don't know if they like froze some of his jizz or they captured DNA and he's got like two sisters and they might be able to work something out. But we all know what we're talking about here. And much like space tourism, I feel like we talked about extinction of the species we give a shit about as uh, something that could happen, something that might happen, something that was starting to happen. And now I feel like we actually are arriving at a world where I think if not my children, then my children's children will probably refer to like the go-to, like the pinup animals as zoo animals. Yeah. Tigers and lions and pandas are not going extinct in zoos. They should. Pandas should, at least. Yeah, I... I, I, I'm, I fucking hate pandas. I know where you stand on pandas, and I know that you're not alone in that. But it's actually it's actually really happening. You yeah. Know? I feel like in the same way that, you know, my kid flips through. I don't know if your daughter does this as much, but, like, you know, dinosaurs are huge. We have mm-hmm. every dinosaur book we can get our hands on, and it's like, th- these are so cool. He'll tell you his favorite thing is dinosaurs because they were real. Yeah. And I don't think we are that far away from viewing the most majestic and cherished creatures, non-human variety on Earth, as relics. Yeah. It's tough because... I mean, look, thousands and thousands of species go extinct every year. Yes. And it's just that we care about some that it, it makes, you know, and, and I wonder the fact that we kind of um, aggrandize certain animals. I, I wonder, I, you know, are we playing God too much, you know, for saving the ones, like you said, that we give a shit about? Because that's part of kind of the site. I mean, there's there's far too many of certain animals and. That's just like we've thrown off the natural balance of it and mm-hmm. you have to rely on hunters to, you know, helicopter over Texas and shoot pigs because they're just running rampant. But at the same time, like we're fighting, you know, tooth and nail to save three, four tigers, you know. Yeah, but then I also think, you know, these are the poster children for animal preservation. There's also the more boring ones that I don't know, you know, like bees or what have you where yeah. Again, these are the things where you you just read stuff. I'm sure you read this stuff, and many people listening to this do as well. About like um, the collapse of food systems in the ocean, resulting in global starvation. And it sometimes seems like we really are kind of on the razor's edge of shit like that. Actually, really, truly happening. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, mean super... I, don't know, I don't know what you do with that. It just seems like so much more of a clear and present danger 
than I mean, because because we keep hurtling forward and, and bursting through, you know, uh, deadlines from scientists and what have you. And this is obviously global warming and all as well. And 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 uh, humanity as a whole, as a group endeavor, seems seems to show very little instinct to actually collect collect ourselves and do anything about it. Yeah, global warming is one of those things. Like. Massive famine and, and starvation from from a, things going extinct. I, I almost feel like, well, what the fuck am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I feel so ordinary. Whereas, like with global warming, I know I can not drive as much. I can choose to eat certain foods that are going to create less carbon uh, gases. There, feel, I feel like there's an application for the everyday Joe to to global warming when it comes to things like animals going extinct. Or, or you know, ocean life. I, I always feel like, well, what am I really going to do about it? You know? Well, but I do wonder why it is not really all that effective. And maybe it's going to become, maybe, maybe it won't. Something that can really fire up people to vote. Cause, yeah, because there's there. Everybody has an opinion about every single issue, but then there are issues that actually get people off their couch to go and vote. Yeah. And those tend to be very, very different things. Like, you know, we all know that the way that we run the American budget is unsustainable, but it is fucking boring to people. And nobody is motivated by a candidate who makes that their, one of their core things. I'm not really sure why it is that a number of people, um, can live or die politically by say, immigration where the elements of it that they are very concerned about actually probably don't have a huge negative effect on their lives yeah and yet we can't rile up tens of millions of people about this in an effective way that elects people that would actually you know promote the policies we want it's easy to manipulate uh the the story about things like immigration and stuff because you can make it seem like it does have an impact on how you're going to put food on your family's table you know if someone's coming over from out outside the country to take your job and if you're struggling as it is and especially look speaking look as a, as a mexican-american if i'm someone living in a neighborhood that was uniformly white or uniformly something and now it's 43 percent hispanic because of immigration it's very easy to create the narrative that this does apply to you and this is going to affect your day-to-day life well in a local way it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Um, anyway, uh, in uh, April, for over the course of a week or so, Mark Zuckerberg went full replicant testifying before Congress in the Cambridge Analytical <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like I can remember it. I'm old enough now that I can remember when Bill Gates first uh became like a household name yeah. and people were like this is like um a robot man and then starting to see the articles that humanized him and being smart enough to know that there were publicists and stuff at work that they mm. needed to soften Microsoft's image and by softening Bill Gates' image they could do that there was articles about him getting married and having a baby and and I remember reading a thing about it. one time he sang a song at a party he's yeah. got a sense of, I mean I literally <laughs> remember reading that in like Time or, or Newsweek in in the nineties and I felt like that was kind of underway with Zuckerberg but when push came to shove you know we all saw what we saw which is I'm not sure the guy's eyeballs have any white in them. No, no, he's he's an odd he's an odd character. Yeah, and I think that this is emblematic sim- 
symptomatic of the times that we live in because I do think people are waking up to whether or not it's Facebook, whether or not it's Cambridge Analytics or whatever, like the idea that there's no such thing as a free lunch. And as they say, if there's a product in the computer age that is free, that means that you are the product. Yeah. The user is the product. And there's a reason why you've never given Facebook a dollar and he has more money than all of us combined. Yeah. It, it, where I can't do that math, but the, somewhere along the line, you, 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 like you said, you put it perfectly. You become the product. And I also don't know why people are all that shocked that your personal information is being kind of bantied about. When you sign up for something on the internet, and willingly give forth certain information, you know, I mean, how do you not know that eventually somewhere down the line, people are looking at it, people that you didn't intend to look at it are looking at it? I think people didn't think it through. And I also think it's a lack of imagination. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else, where you find out there's so many different ways that they're able to harvest and monetize your information. It's just there's hundreds of people who are smarter than me working at Facebook thinking of new ways that they can harvest yeah. my shit. And like I say, I'm dumber than them and I've never given it a moment's thought. So it's not surprising when they go, we're doing this with your shit. They go, oh my God, I never even thought of you guys yeah. doing that. That's their that's their job. And I think in for several different reasons, um, I, I do kind of feel like social media, until somebody finds a new way to reinvent the wheel, we've kind of figured out the limits of it. It doesn't seem like there's another app coming that, you know, we were all telling everybody what we were doing and what our what silly thing our kids said. And then we started tweeting our thoughts and everything. And then we all started posting our our pictures of everything. And then we all started posting our videos. I don't really know what else it could have to to offer us and now that we're seeing the downside it would not surprise me in the slightest if my kid who is about to turn seven were to tell me in three or four years you know i asked him about it and he goes i don't want to do that right right no uh, cyclically it's going to have to come back around i i, I totally agree that it's going to be because uh you know we hear jason on the jason ellis show talk all the time about how taking his daughter's phone away is the worst thing you can possibly do. I mm -hmm. mean, it's just that losing that connection to social media is absolutely just uh, catastrophic to the 13-year-old nowadays. It It's going to come a time where it's totally cool to not have a phone and to be off the grid. I mean, that has to happen. I'm less sure of that. I think that people might just find new ways to become obsessed with staring at their phone. That aren't social media? Yeah, it's yeah. entirely possible. They're, they're not necessarily the same thing. I'm more confident of the social media thing. But yeah, who who knows? It would be wise of kids to yeah. look at us in the same way that at a certain point we all started to look at adults smoking cigarettes and going, what the fuck are you guys doing? Right, right. You know, I'm rooting for them. Uh, it's too late for me. In April on the 27th, Kim Jong-un crossed the demilitarized zone to meet with the South Korean president the first time that it happened since the Korean War. I'm having second thoughts now that I'm reading that off the page about putting this on the list because I'm not necessarily sure in retrospect that that really meant a goddamn thing. I, I, at first, I thought it really did mean mm -hmm. so much. But now uh, every article I read just this week is that they're ramping up their weapon system and that there's conclusive and ample scientific proof to show that they are still working very hard to figure out ways to blow up 
everything around them. Yeah, you know? and it's certainly not the first time his his father and and his father's father before him did the dance of meeting with people and making nice and seeing what they could extract for their niceties and then going back to exactly what they had been doing. I mean, a, a, a poorly constructed house is bound to collapse on itself sooner or later, and yeah. that is North Korea. I don't know. I got really scared. I was sick earlier in the year, and I kind of had that like that flu logic, mm-hmm. and I got really nervous about it. And now I've just sort of come around to... Um, uh, I mean, if, if South Korea can live with that every day, and Japan can live with that every day, I right. guess I can too. Right. And, and I guess that's the best we get. And we're probably ignorance is bliss because I, I would imagine that there's far more uh, aggressive and and um, pressing, you know, uh, factions out there that are willing and that are ready to destroy us that we aren't, you know, concerning ourselves with. Every single day. Right, right, right. Problems are created and being solved beneath our nose without us being aware of it. Right. I guess. Yeah, it's been a long time for global peace. Yeah. And you could make the case that ultimately nuclear weapons are the greatest uh, mechanism for promoting peace in the history of mankind because of mutually assured destruction. But we're going on almost a hundred years without everybody trying to kill each other. And if you look back in history, that that's, that's a pretty crazy, a huge stretch. Yeah. 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 We're kind of stretch of time. We're kind of, do <laughs> it's kind of, it's like uh, earthquakes in southern california yeah. the longer you go without one you're like fuck yeah <laughs> i know just give me a little one and let's get it over with um in may on may 19th prince harry married Meghan markle which is not something i followed in the slightest and yet i still feel like i know everything about it yeah did you i mean is this no I, mean, I was it was casually my wife was super into it she, um she was why? super into the wedding yeah she was super into the wedding i don't know if she really gave a shit about no. prince the prince marrying Meghan markle uh but she wanted to see the dress and the guests and the the procession and all that stuff um, was she satisfied with her experience i think she was okay. i think she was it seemed like the world was yeah the last these princes have figured out the right chicks to marry and and they're you know as, as for as opulent as they are relatively tasteful the uh the royal family you know they figured out a way to do it in a, in a pretty tasteful way um i i am definitely really interested in the idea of the a prince in the royal family of England marrying a half black divorced american like i find that very cool and it, the idea it turns me on a little bit like the, I, you know i'm like okay there's a, there's a real development there you know yeah see again i think so many things that we thought were just that history was becoming this sort of straight path in so many different ways we've sort of the world has sort of um uh what's the word i'm looking for i can't think of it like you know hit the skids and said well well, hold on there's actually things about the way things used to be that i really like for example nationalism you know um and i felt like the monarchy was just everybody knows it's an anachronism and that it's absurd and that it was just kind of diana was the beginning of the she's not she's just a human being like the rest of us who ended up in these extraordinary circumstances. And sure, she can still be the prince and we'll have princes, but nobody really cares. It's just lost its luster. And I feel like you almost can't even talk about the monarchy without talking about like Brexit. 
in this sense that England is like, whoa, 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 no, actually, we once again, don't want to be part of a global village. We kind of like the pomp and circumstance of, you know, Cheerio and yeah. the Buckingham Palace guys. And um, I think people are going to give a shit about Prince Harry's kid getting married in 30 years and, and onward. And I don't think it's going anywhere. No, I think there will always be we'll hold on to certain things that we find, you know, we like old fashioned, but we like the old fashioned thing to also progress a little bit. Yeah, which is, which is what definitely what it's doing. Um, this in the end might be I mean, if the world uh, continues on a relatively soft and gentle path. One of the bigger stories that affects the world um, uh, for years to come on June 1st of this year, uh, the it was the end of net neutrality, mm. which I did not take a strong interest in at the time. And I'd be lying if I said I totally understood. But I think that people forget because history forgets that we come to these um these forks in the road and then we make decisions as societies and they have massive ramifications for us. And because everybody forgets that the choice was ever made since it's made so definitively Mm. and the other way goes away that um, bad things about the world didn't need to be the way that they are. I just started watching that, um, that Adam ruins everything show, which I I think I like it. And he was talking about, (laughs) have you seen it? I have. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's like if uh, it's like if Alton Brown was a crank. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great. <laughs> it's a great analogy. It's just what it is. If they let Alton Brown out of the kitchen, and it turns out he's like that all the time. Yeah, you know. But I, I I like it. It's a little it's a little daft, but I dig it. And um, I knew the story of how um, he didn't even get into it to the full extent. How um, car not just car manufacturers, but everybody who is making money off of automobiles conspired, conspired to shut down streetcars. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a company, I forget the name of it. It had some like, you know, the wonderful General Things Corporation or whatever. It was um, a couple of car manufacturers. It was a oil company. It was a, t- a tire company. I mean, just straight up and down like a fucking mud flap, you know, consortium. And they bought streetcars and then made them shitty on purpose. Wow. Yeah. That's dastardly. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, his point is that, um, you know, urban spaces, particularly Los Angeles, we now just take it for granted that they're largely given over to automobiles. It didn't need to be that way. Right. It's possible they worked better that way and that we all would have been happier, but because these... Um, greedy interests successfully diverted us in the in the direction that they wanted us all to go in that now we forget that was ever even a choice right. and that's what I find myself wondering about net neutrality is if the internet just becomes yet another thing that is public and belongs to all of us that just gets controlled in a way that's detrimental to the to the larger population by yeah. you know big companies who have their way yeah and it'll happen financially and it'll happen even on a on a kind of in a media way because there was far too long where the CBSs, the Foxes of the world just kind of first off ignored the idea that the internet would replace them or mm-hmm. would ha- serve any type of competition. Now they're in, in this race to just take control of the internet as they've done with the airwaves for so long. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure, like most people, you, me, we don't really fully understand net neutrality, but it'll be one of those things that we look back in 40 years and go, God damn it. Yeah. You know, the ca- uh, remember the good old days where you get, you know, the internet was the Wild West. Well, right. And I think... I think it is helpful to just think of the example of um, of of radio, FM and AM radio, right? So the whole idea is the air, the airwaves belong to all of us. Right. So we, as a population, allow corporations to use them because they're they're doing what we want them to do. And as you know, practically what that ends up meaning is every Sunday morning at 4 a.m., they run some Tavis Smiley knockoff mm-hmm. and some other community affairs thing that nobody cares about, nobody listens to, nobody's ever going to hear. And that that's what they've managed to... I don't even know if they have to do that anymore. They, just, they, do. they so, do. Okay, they just just systematically broke it down to where, see, that's our community service. That's And in exchange for that service, they can run as many ads as they want and they can play a bunch of music that nobody with any taste, you know, would ever care to listen to. And you can look at other countries where they actually are making, and I know that Canadian radio is cheesy and I know that, you know, uh, British radio is not exactly what every British citizen would want it to be or the BBC for that matter. But they are examples of places where corporate interests haven't just taken things that belong to everybody and done with them what they will for their own benefit. Yeah. I mean, we still have NPR. And that's a you know I'm surprised. I'm actually shocked. Yeah. That would have been one that if if um the powers that be had gone after that one and had made that like a, a little political punching bag, I don't see how um I mean you can make the case, well, it's just such a small part of the budget, who really cares? But it is kind of weird that the government subsidizes uh a, a radical left wing mm-hmm. national broadcast network yeah i think that there's enough private interest. i mean i'm offended by npr <laughs> i think there's enough left-wing private interest too that that keep it afloat too i mean i'm sure that that's a if you're you know george soros or something that's mm-hmm. a that's one of those things that you're like yep i'm gonna keep cutting my million and a half dollar check every, every is he really years. evil do you know anything about him i don't know if he's evil i just know that he's super rich and powerful and left-wing right you know and i'm not i'm not here to to point fingers and say i just know that like that's the first name that came to mind when i think of a guy who would potentially be able to write a cup a seven figure check to NPR. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he's he's right at the top of the list. I still feel like I could be wrong that over half their budget comes from public money. Really? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm just talking, I'm, I don't have access to a computer right now. So every single thing that I will say this hour is based on based on not just much. pulling out of the back of your it's brain. Pretty much just allergies. That's the best stuff. These are allergies and uh Zyrtex or Zycan or whatever <laughs> I'm on talking. Um, in uh, June, on June 24th, Saudi Arabia allowed women to drive, which is, um, I mean, I think we've learned more things about the current Saudi Arabian regime uh, throughout the months that that followed. But I guess I just find it interesting that uh, there is still a big chunk of the world that's still rolling like that. Right. And you know what bugs me is this idea, which which we, for the, for a large part in this country, only reserve for really exotic, very different cultures. Um, but this whole notion was like, we we can't judge. That's just a different part of the world. That's their culture. I was like, no, it's it's pretty fucked up. It's mm-hmm. 2018, and women now just now can drive a car if they want to. Right, and and that in and of itself may have been some some positive PR to cover the even more evil things that right. this regime wants for to people being assassinated for writing poetry. 
You yeah. Know, I, it's, yeah, there have been, uh, I mean, there are dozens of people uh, um, uh, murdered in, in, in cruel and inhuman ways by the Saudi Arabian government every single year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, I can judge that. And we, exactly. Yes, no, we can we can totally judge. Yeah. And uh, we've all gotten better as years have gone on at, at being more considerate to other people and their feelings. And th- it's just insane that there's still places in the world where that shit goes on, you know, female circumcision. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's 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 insane. And uh, I, I get very um, I get very bothered when people are like, but, you know, that's just their culture. We can't judge. We just can't judge. And I'm like, I can judge. I think people have a really, you know, religion is a bugaboo in so many different ways. And if it weren't tied to a religion in whatever inauthentic fashion it may be tied to a religion, then I think people would have no trouble condemning it. I think people get, they're weird when you criticize their religion and somehow that same, you know, way of looking at things uh, applies. And, And I also think that a lot of the powers that be kind of direct... At, at the highest levels of public discourse, like people to not scrutinize that all that closely because of, you know, strategic interests and stuff like that. But, you know, so there's plenty of Muslims. I don't want to I, I don't want to extrapolate my I have a Turkish friend who's Muslim. And OK, he, so tell me everything about every Muslim. Every Muslim. Yes, is my Turkish friend. <laughs> but he he's insulted that people would associate that with Muslim, yeah, you know the idea that women can't drive and mm-hmm. that you know you you would assassinate people for having political differences. That's a Saudi problem, you know. He looks at it. He's like that. That shouldn't in any way be attached to my religion because, in reality, the way that we interpret the Quran is 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 totally different. So, it's 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 tough, you know, because like you said, it, however that may be, even if it's a bastardized way, however that may be attached to a religion. It gets people in a bind, oh, but yeah. you know, and, and, and with so many people inclined to suspect the worst of other people and brown people and Muslim people, it doesn't. You're it, it 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 people take that and run with it, right? But you and I both being raised Catholic, um, I I don't think we would associate. It's a it's a rampant problem that you know priests are molesting young boys. The Archbishop of Los Angeles. Just I, I, he's not anymore because he got removed because of it. But it, the guy from ten years ago just went down because of it. I mean, this is this is staggering. It, it is. It's staggering. But that isn't what the religion's based on. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's like, funny. Yeah, people kind of will have it both ways. Is if right. you're pro Christian, those are and, and this is it's, it goes even beyond religion. When it's a group that you support, well, those there's always a few bad apples. Right. And when it's a group that you're on a gut level opposed to then the worst people from that group are always representative of right. the of the group uh in july those thai soccer kids were rescued from that cave i guess i'm still having trouble just understanding what the fuck they were doing in the cave in the first place i guess it was some traditional patronage that they make but fuck that i'm oh, not oh, allowed really? is that like a special cave yeah it, I, it's a thing that they consistently did and have done for years because that oh, the first that. question in my mind is why the fuck would you allow a soccer coach to take a 10 year old into a cave that's not happening with my kid no but either way i don't care if it's <laughs> i tradition- wouldn't let my soccer coach take my kid to wendy <laughs> i totally agree i i um but I do think that, like, when when shit hit the fan and and people's backs were against the wall, it was nice to see some of the heroic behavior, you know. Yeah, and Elon Musk getting super weird there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know, I think. Look, Elon Musk is super weird. 
We can all just say that. He is a super weird I guy. I haven't followed him closely enough. To, yeah. He's just somebody who pops on my radar, a la A. Zuckerberg or whatever. Yeah. I don't really have a clear picture of that guy. I really dig it. Like, a lot of times when I talk about people, like, I think of them almost like movie characters. So, like, Darth Vader's really cool. If he was real, he'd be terrible. Yeah. We'd, all, we'd all hate that guy. Yeah. But... I've in so many ways I read a lot of history of like Arctic explorers and people like that where it's like it just seems like great men like that don't exist anymore like an Edison who's like yeah I'm just gonna fucking you know uh, invent radio before lunch and maybe I'll get to work on a light bulb after <laughs> that you know or like Benjamin Franklin or whatever and, and out of nowhere you have like an Elon Musk who is playing on that field it remains to be seen what he'll actually pull off and so I don't really Everybody should just shut the hell up if he's super weird. I just I don't know why he called somebody a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it didn't make any sense. I'm sure it was indefensible. But I have a feeling that if... And I'm not calling him Leonardo da Vinci, but I'm pretty sure if Leonardo da Vinci had had Twitter, there would have been some weird shit coming out of there, too. Extraordinary people are oftentimes extraordinary in yeah. every way. And that goes for socially, too. I mean, I'm sure that... You, like you, yeah, I'm sure you're right. If if Leonardo da Vinci, if we knew him on a personal level, you put, brought him in a time machine to 2018, we'd be like, this guy's fucking bonkers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, in August, Apple became the first trillion dollar company. Um, I do think, much like the social media, much like the animal extinction. People are starting to wake up to, oh, my God, wealth is really concentrating in a way that is is not sustainable or healthy for a, a, a culture at all. I read an article the other day that, you know, what caused the decline of the, of the Roman Empire, you could people have spent entire careers discussing that. But one of the things was definitely wealth concentrated. Right. And at a certain point the people at the top are talking to the people at the bottom like nothing has changed and everything has changed and they've got the numbers and when the people at the bottom wake up it, you know again the guillotines around the corner it's hard too because unlike the roman empire like the the de medici family just took control of everything and and there wasn't that there wasn't the iphone to kind of point the blame at at the at the pro you know at the the proletariat like mm -hmm. we we are just as much responsible for creating this disparity in wealth as we are victims of it, meaning we can all bitch and moan about the fact that uh, Apple is a trillion-dollar company and we're struggling to put food on the table, but everyone I know has a fucking iPhone, and literally everyone I know. Yeah. And yeah, everyone bitches about Apple and everybody owns an iPhone. Everybody uh, com you know, in our world – you're in my world, I'm sure, complains about global warming, whatever, who canceled the plane ticket because they didn't, you know, because they wanted to save the whales. Right. Nobody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Who's going to not travel because of it? Who's going to, who is going to, you know, take public transit in Los Angeles? I mean, I don't know anybody. I mean, occasionally a, a weekend trip, I'll go to downtown with my family and we'll be like, eh, yeah, we're going to take, take the gold the, line. Take but the train. day in and day out, I'm in a car, you know? Yeah. In uh, September, India overturned a 160-year-old law decriminalizing homosexuality. And I mean, I, I'm sure they put it into law 160 years ago. I'm pretty much I'm sure that was the lay of the land for some time before that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I no, it was super gay. Before it was so gay. <laughs> it might have been. I it was don't like the Castro district. In, I mean, in, in, Rome was. <laughs> who, uh, what the hell do I know? I was really surprised that the gay rights thing got the momentum that it did. Was it was able to see it through to you know tangible results here. I'm incredibly shocked when I see similar headlines in places like India and, yeah. and Poland. And I think actually circling back to what we were just talking about, maybe every, okay, everything changed with the printing press because, like you were saying, it, with the de Medici's and stuff like that, you couldn't, it was a very top-down society. All of a sudden with printing presses, people could print up you know, leaflets and hand them out to each other. And the yokels could talk to the yokels and realize that every yokel was thinking the same thing. Right. And that is a sea change in human culture and civilization. And I think as much as we talk about how powerful the internet and social media is, it may still be underestimated that it's put that on steroids doesn't even begin to describe what it does to let everybody talk to each other unmediated. Yeah. And um, it's messy. But it's not going away, and it's going to be a powerful force in human civilization for the foreseeable. And talk talk to everybody, and but also have access to information. Yeah, have unlimited and, and access. Good, good and, yeah, yeah, correct, good and, and correct and incorrect, correct and right. incorrect. But at the same time, the information's there. I mean, that's why I think we're starting to see things like uh, the Mormon Church and and um, Scientology. They're just their numbers are, are dwindling because you know if you're a missionary. <laughs> Somewhere on a far far away it used to be even just twenty years ago you had no idea not to believe these stories but now you get on the internet and you're like wait what yeah like Scientologists can Google over lunch and be like I believe what L Ron Hubbard came what he did what <laughs> yeah exactly this was a novel first what and I think and I think the same thing goes if you're a, if you're an in the closet gay guy in India up until the point of the internet came along you you were probably really struggling and thinking to yourself like well the, I, I'm doing some I'm really doing something wrong and yeah. then you find out you're like oh the there's millions of us? Oh, this is fantastic. These guys are fucking on camera a yeah. lot. <laughs> I not only should I be should I be having sex with men like I've always wanted to, apparently I should be filming it. Yeah. Uh, we already covered this in October. On October 20th, Saudi Arabia admitted to the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Is that how you say it? Khashoggi, yeah. Khashoggi, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They're, uh, they're not cool. They're not cool at all. And uh, you see, that might be an example of where I think the powers that be have been able to brush over. Nobody thinks Saudi Arabia is cool, right. but they've been able to brush over it. And I don't know. The will of the people is being expressed, however messily and in, in however ugly a fashion. I think that that's one of many, many, many things where people are like, why are we doing this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know. But anyway, I'm just going to go hold his hands and walk around in his olive garden. And you're like, no. Why the fuck are we doing right, this? Right, I want answers. Yeah. I, I, I've, I suspect that with Saudi Arabia, we all, like you said, I mean, everyone who's anyone who's even casually interested in current events goes, what the fuck? Why are, oh, how are they our, our strong ally? Mm-hmm. Um, and how are we, and it's not just, it's not just uh, the name that shall not be mentioned um, and his administration. It's no. been presidential administrations as far back as I can remember. They all go and kiss those guys. Right. Um, the... <sighs> I have to suspect that having an ally like that in the Arab Peninsula, there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that they can't talk about That as far as being on the precipice of war with other uh, con- other countries 
and it's, having it's that ally Iran and, and, and just the setup that we don't we just don't know about it that the only the higher ups really understand that there's reason there truly is good reason to make up for all this other nonsense. Well, here's a more cynical take on it and one that I think America is starting to finally reckon with. What I'm told is America some countries, you know, rule with a, attempt to rule with an iron fist. America in reality tends to be more of a velvet glove over an iron fist, which is Americans aren't really in the same way that most people aren't willing to not fly mm-hmm. to save the planet. Americans aren't really willing to give up cheap gas for example for the sake of human rights right but they can't stand politicians who say we don't actually care about human rights i mean we're going to do our best in america but saudi arabians are crazy they're going to do what they're going to do so let's just get their oil right and i think people are going to have to confront that i'm told that uh, i'm told i mean i've read in the economist that a lot of american diplomats over the years are frustrated that they kind of have to make the show of they know it, it, Americans claim to care about that stuff, but they don't really claim to care. So when they'll, push they'll, comes to they'll sit down and go. So I want to talk to you about this thing with women driving. That's really bad. Okay, did everybody see me do that? Okay, right. so now let's talk turkey. And Americans just need to face the fact that you might not be able to have your cake and eat it too. Do you care about human rights in Saudi Arabia? You do care about what we get strategically from that alliance because you might have to choose one or the other. And it, and it's, it happens on a lot of levels. It's not just Saudi Arabia and oil. Of course, yeah. We we all love paying $7 for a t-shirt even though, you know, someone in Bangladesh or or China was practically forced into slave labor to make it, you know, in comparison to pay are you going to pay $25 for that t-shirt if it's made in the USA? Is it made out of hemp? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, November, we had those awful wildfires here in California. One more time, uh, things that we have been hearing about potentially in our not too distant future seemingly coming to roost, i.e. climate change. Yeah. You know, I guess there's not really too much to be said about that. Beyond that, November 25th, the EU approved the Brexit plan. And um, again, it turns out, I think uh, there's so much... So many people who are nationalist populist have been narrowly defeated in political elections around the world that I'm not sure everyone is aware of just how big a force that has become. You know, the world is catching that cold all at the same time. And I think people are going to need to reckon with the fact that to say I like Poland to be Polish is sometimes said by incredibly racist people, mm-hmm. but is also sometimes said by people who just liked the country the way it was no right. offense to yours i like mine you like yours i like mine what's the problem here the uh, you know not every nationalist is a racist but most racists are nationalists that's, you know it's, that's it's well a, said yeah it's it's a really tough you know gotta you gotta really dissect that venn diagram where the middle piece meets where mm-hmm. you know i'm i look i like america to be america i'm really proud of america and i and i i'm proud to be american um I don't consider myself a, a, a racist. Or, that's big of you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think that's all the substantial stuff. We have not touched on any uh, celebrity news. Um, Mariah Carey was diagnosed bipolar this year. Makes sense. It does. Um, I would have loved to have been in the room when a medical professional was like, okay, this is the day I'm going to tell Mariah Carey <laughs> to her face that she's crazy. And uh, Jennifer Anderson single again. Uh, Will she ever win? Will she? Uh, will we ever find her the love of her life? <laughs> will she get that baby that we all assume she wants? <laughs> Thank you, Mike Catherwood. It you was got, my pleasure, man. You have the Swole Patrol podcast. Anything else you want to talk about? Mm, no, nothing. Nothing. Except at Mike Catherwood on Twitter and Instagram. You are huge. Thanks. <laughs>